Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want salon perfect nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. Hello everyone, it is the Red Men TV Podcast, I'm Paul Machen, Chris Pajak and Ross Chanley join me in the studio for this one. Uh, incidentally and, and almost accidentally, we may as well just call it, the show is unofficially sponsored by Threads for Reds because <laughs> we've all managed to come in wearing the same thing. Um, they've which, got more designs as well, haven't they? Yeah, they've got fantastic examples, but clearly we've all got a soft spot for this one in particular, but go and check out threadsforreds.com, uh, it's some brilliant stuff on Available right in Hoodie's t-shirt and sweatshirt. <laughs> Apparently so, yeah, there you go. Um, right, yeah, it is uh, the, the biggest game of the season, Lumen, Tottenham Hotspur, and obviously we're going to talk a little bit about Gerard Ullier as well, um, and if we ha- I guess we'll have to just have a, a a last little mention on the Fulham game before we get into all of that. But uh, we do have a kickoff question. It comes from at Peter Frank Five. Um, would you rather us have no more injuries to the rest of Klopp's current contract or have Klopp sign until 2028? Chris Page. No more injuries to the rest of Klopp's current contract. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because we just win everything for the next couple of years, and then we're going to be in good position, good players, do some better research on players that don't get injured. Someone else will come in, and we'll just carry on. This feels like one of those things that's dead easy to say now, but in three years' time, when he's going, and there's no more Jurgen Klopp, and you're going, I had the chance to make this, man, make this. See, I'm already thinking if he gets no more injuries until the end of his contract, he goes, God, this was easy. I can do another four years of this. Yeah, yeah. Then he'd be okay. Let's add the proviso that he has to go at the end of that. Then no, let's not. Well, it's done. It's not. So, given the choice, no no injuries for the rest of his contract, but he goes at the end of his contract, or you get to get him. We have injuries that we have no control over, but he stays until. I only take first questions. Still no injuries for me. <laughs> okay. I think we just piss everything for the next couple of years. I'm fine with that. I think we piss it anyway. Oh, you have little faith. I think long term. We just read the full and pause, so we're not doing that. Are we? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! You spent too much time on social media, Mister Chanley. Um, yes. Um, okay. Interesting. There's no thoughts on that in the comments. Uh, we are doing this podcast live, so if you're here on YouTube uh, alongside us, then please feel free to get to your comments and thoughts and all that kind of stuff. And we've got uh, Noel Mackey, Mister Bruh, uh, European royalty, Eth Sham Ul Hassan, uh, the Great Metropolis, amongst others, all hanging out with us while we do this. So yeah, join in. Um, but yes, uh, we were going to find. We're going to talk about a little bit. Again about Fulham, we're going to go through some of our favourite Julio memories. Well, we've done the uh, the tribute to Julio. Chris and I had a good chat about him that's on the channel already. But uh, yeah, I wanted to dive into a couple of more individual things. There's some some belters that it's kind of um, it's kind of brought up in my memory in the last day or so. So yes, 
Yeah, and then we're going to look at uh, how Liverpool go about Operation Top at Christmas. But before we do, uh, we've got a book that's available right now. Uh, it's selling like hotcakes. Is one last look at it before we give up doing mad pushes on it before the Christmas period. But yeah, here's, here's another look. The second Redmen TV book, Champions of Everything, is available for sale right now. It comes in two editions, the standard edition and the special edition, which comes signed with a custom message of your choice and with a limited edition Redmen TV sticker pack as well. The book is huge. It is A4 size and it's chock full of insight. Photographs uh, from around the world following the mighty Reds who were reigning European champions, who won the Super Cup, who became champions of the world and then capped it all off with a 19th league title becoming champions of England. The book looks at the highs, lows, absolute insanity and bitterness of rival fans and some of the craziness from our own fan base as well along the way. It is available now on the Redmen TV store. Get involved. Hey everyone, welcome back. Yes, Champions of Everything is available right now. It's available digitally as well. If you search for it on Amazon, you'll, you'll track it down. Um, the special edition is now sold out, unfortunately. So if you want a signed copy, you've missed out on the chance. There might be a chance that we get some more in the new year, but I wouldn't I wouldn't hold out much hope of that because it means Ross doing loads of extra work, unfortunately. Uh, but the normal edition is still available. Um, so yeah, if you want to get one of them, grab them quick because they will be the next thing to go. Um, yeah, Chris, the, the, the Fulham game is... is, is I'm, we're going to reach a point, obviously, we, we, as we head towards Tottenham, where we don't have to talk or think about that game anymore, which is going to be lovely. Um, it's an interesting moment, and we can't know how we're going to react to this yet. The big hope is that it's a, a massive kick up the arse without us having lost the game and completely and utterly lost momentum. Yeah, first of all, I thought I'd put the Fulham game behind me because we'd already done the build-up and I don't normally look back once we've done the build-up so I'm a little bit gutted that I have to talk about this again because I was over it and I and I, and I am over it, to be honest with you. I can, I can now rationally look at it and go, yeah, we made mistakes, we didn't play great, we didn't lose a game of football, we didn't lose any ground in the title race. Uh, in fact, we're in a position this week where we could go three points clear if we win our game, yeah. um, which is a good position to be in as a as a football fan, isn't it? So, but you, you are right, Paul. I think you know we didn't lose first and foremost. We didn't lose ground in the title race. Secondly, as I've already mentioned and stuff, and at least the lads, at least the lads have got something to play for. Other than just it being Tottenham, they've got a little bit of pride to play for because it was a, it was such a bad performance first half that they, they need to show us what they can do almost. They'll feel the need anyway. Well, it's the point, isn't it? And that you look at these next two games that are coming up and obviously Tottenham and, and Palace. Ross, we know we know what the objective is. The objective is to win as many football games as possible and see where, you, see where it stands. But really, the objective is to win the title. And the Fulham game, the only way you get to... You, Liverpool get to control the narrative because no ground was lost in the title in the title race does we get to decide whether that was a poor result or you know or we've got away with one or it's a good point you know what i mean given the given how crap the performance was for large swaths of that game if we go on and get the results in the fall in the upcoming games then we can we can safely go okay well it was a learning curve. It was a kick up the arse. It was one way. Actually, you know, we were a bit tired and we were we were struggling a bit and actually we got a hard four point when really we could have got an absolutely tonked everywhere and that's 
a very good thing that it's in Liverpool's hands. We're not in part. We're not. In, we've not slipped into the chasing pack. We're still at the forefront. Yeah, well, that's one of the few positives about having a you know congested fixture list. You can quickly move on. I think mm. we said the same thing about Atlanta and uh, it was Sheffield United that, that we played. And it was poor performances, slow starts in those games as well. I think that's a concern and common theme in these games. The Liverpool starting games pretty slow. Um, I haven't seen enough credit given to Fulham. You might, might have mm. covered that, but I thought you know they're fine. No, Chris pretty. thinks the shit. But I think I think, I think no, no. I gave yeah, them yeah, loads of credit. I do think the shit. Like. Uh, well, I think the shit, but also the fan, the feet. So I think they yeah. deserve a bit of credit for you know yeah. Liverpool were poor, but. He, Fulham are good. Them having fans back in stadiums, I think, is a huge positive for them. It was the same for Everton at the weekend. You know, seeing their team in the Premier League. Um, but on the Liverpool stuff again, you know, you got a, a time to put things right pretty quickly. And what what big game to do it? There should be no extra motivation for this. I don't know whether it was complacency creeping against Fulham. Whether they, they shouldn't do this, and I don't think they do. But maybe it's a tiny bit of oh, Fulham are a bit shit. You know, we don't need to give one hundred percent in this. And then well, there's the sort of degree to which, with a couple of injuries around and the heavy, heavy congested, none of the none of the other European sides won at the weekend, which I think tells you tells a story in of itself. There was a degree to which it was like get through the Champions League, and then every, and and I think the outside were like, okay, and now you can focus on the league, and everyone else is like, fucking hell. It's like you know, I've just finished a marathon. It's like, are we going out for a pint? It's like, can I just give a second to catch breath? I think the big issue that people had was that the results that obviously went forward. It was a good opportunity to, to create a gap, but also the Midland game where people and still and questioning why Salah played, why, why, why Jota played, Trent's come back from an injury. I think he was knackered in the following game as well. Why did he go and do that? We didn't need to, but hindsight's a wonderful thing, which won't stop me from being angry about it still. Mm. But, you know, it would be to, to, to question your... Anger's just a bit fucking misplaced on it all, really, isn't it? I mean, again, contextually, it's a, these, are, these are only... It's only a bad thing if you then if you then don't improve from it, if you don't get yeah. better from it. And the one thing we've seen consistently is that we do. But again, of course, the, the current situation is one that we're, we're struggling to fully wrap our heads around. The thing that I take encouragement from... And it, maybe it's a bit of Schadenfreude to some extent, Chris. Is that everyone's struggling, and that was again evidenced by the fact that so many, so many of the top teams struggled. Like that, Man City should have absolutely well either should have wiped the floor with United or United should have done something to wipe the floor with with Man City. The game was right for the taking, and it was like the. I mean, I was, I was rewatching the first Avengers film. It's like Hawkeye reaching for another arrow and finding his quiver's empty. It's like. Uh, <sighs> Everyone you know. at the moment, I think, is just so nervous of falling too far behind mm -hmm. because everybody's just in this holding pattern at the moment where they just want to be close come the turn of the year within striking distance. And, and that's why the Man City Man United game played out the way it is, as well as, you know, injuries and, and uh, you know, amount of games played and everything else because everyone just wants to be close. And, and they, they're all thinking when it calms down a little bit. We'll be able to strike, and and that goes for Liverpool as well at the moment. I think you know we are in a bit of a holding pattern where we just want to stay within striking distance. We're waiting for lads to come back from injury, and then we'll hopefully kick on from there. It's what everyone's been saying for weeks now, isn't it? When these lads come back, we're going to kick on and all that type of stuff. That's what we're waiting for as well. And so, over the last couple of years, Liverpool and Manchester City have gone out to win the league. That doesn't feel like what we're doing at the moment. It, it feels like we're playing in a slightly different manner because of the extenuating circumstances of how fucked 2020 has been, plus all those injuries and everything else. It was just another example. We've had this for the last three seasons where we've come out of a weekend very much with the, with the Liverpool blinkers on and gone, oh my God, 
That's crap. Is that is that is that part of a larger malaise? Is there a, a deeper rooted problem at Liverpool now? Obviously injuries in, in this instance, and we've gone. God, that shit, isn't it? And then a lot of us then turn and look at the rest of the weekend's fixture and go, oh. Okay, yeah, actually, that wasn't that wasn't too bad. But I think there are some of us who walk away from it and don't ever lift those blinkers off and go into the roll into the week with this building narrative of Liverpool are maybe having a bit of a struggle or whatever, which is then vindication if then Liverpool don't get across the line against Spurs, which it, it isn't for me because Spurs, Spurs is a twat of a game, no matter which way you slice it. Yeah, I think straight after the game, certainly, I think it's still a bit raw, isn't it? So you, you know, you're quite rightly pissed off. But I think, when you, like Chris says, on, on reflection, when you, when you look back at it, you have to look at things on, on, on face value and what, the other struggle that teams are going through. I think there's also a comparison to last season, and I find myself doing this sometimes. This time last year, the league was more or less fucking done. We were top of, the, yeah. we were top of Christmas this time. Yeah. Like, I think it was like the first game in December we pretty much and we, got we had the Carabao Cup we'll get around about next week and then obviously Qatar after that and everything everything was great and I think people want that again mm-hmm. but of course like, again like Chris says if, uh, 2020 everything being so fucked you can't have that but it gives you that that, that bit of um, security of you know in fact if, if you don't have a good game there's a, there's a buffer there there's no buffer now so you have to every game is important Absolutely, and look, I want to I want to dive in a bit more into Spurs and Liverpool go about the, net, the, the this week and maybe beyond. I know we did a bit of this last week as well, but I think it's still pertinent. Um, but I wanted to talk about Gerard Uli. I know we've done the special. I did a video over on my YouTube channel as well. Um, but again, there's just some things that I that I missed out. I've listened to a few other people's bits and pieces across seen loads of the amazing comments, and I wanted to talk about our sort of specific, not like necessarily specific to Uli memories, so much as memories of of Uli's Liverpool side. Um, because obviously, again, me and Chris are the same age next year, um, and um, Ross is a little bit younger Less than us, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I wanted to kick. I wanted to kick it off because it's a game that really like, sticks with me in a ran- in a random way. Because everyone goes on about like the treble season, which is sound. I'm right to, and there's lot, and, I, and I've got memories of the of the finals in, in that season, and loads of other random little bits. Of, but it's some of the more random ones for me. So like, Boa Vista at, at Anfield is a, is a big one for me. It was our first ever night in the Champions League, um, and it was. <laughs> So it's. I went back and I watched the Michael Owen scores an absolute worldy of a of a of a goal in that game. But it was so like I remember like it was the first time we wore that amazing European home shirt that we'd released for the first time. Like I I went and bought that. That was like my first my. I was due to go to university. I think I went to I moved to university like the week after this game, and I went and bought my first student loan. I went and bought that European home shirt because it was just a thing of beauty. Liverpool are in the Champions League. We got a special shirt. It had four stars on it to represent the four wow, European yeah. cups that we'd won. Um, those four stars for ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, that for me like that was that was a. It gets underestimated because we now, because of Istanbul, and I think it's mad. There's like a fog with which we view the late nineties and a lot of the Julia era, Chris. Where that 2005 is so big and thick in between now and then that we do kind of forget, like the four star thing. It's mad. That was we were so proud of having our four European cups, but five was our identity that it's hard to look back to that. But that was again Liverpool playing in the Champions League at the time was like. In our lives, that was a massive. Well, that's massive it, isn't moment. it? I mean, for a start, you know, 
it's hard to get into. It's harder to get into, isn't it? You know, first of all, it was the top team, and then it was the second team. You know, you could get there through coming second, and then third, and then fourth eventually, and stuff as well. So, it was just a harder competition to get into the Champions League back then. And you know, we finally, and we were so far behind Manchester United and Arsenal in the nineties. Really, you know, we get close occasionally, um, and we were good enough to beat them in one-off games, but we could never sustain it for a full season. Um, so when we started to get close under Julia, it, it had that like, well, everyone remembers that Benitez comes in, he finishes here, and then he plays high, and then he plays high. Julia did that mm-hmm. to the point where he got to second, and then we digressed a, a, a little bit and stuff. But that was, the. it's like looking at the Empire State Building. Everyone knows what the top of the Empire State Building looks like, but mm-hmm. not many people know what the bottom looks like. Yeah. And that's where Istanbul is to, to what Julia's era is. He's the yeah. foundations that enable it to go so high. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? So And, that, and, that's, and that's why it's a big shining fifth year European Cup but we get experience in European competition under Julier we get into the Champions League under Julier we start challenging for an actual title under Gerard Julier and stuff so he's a massive part of Liverpool Football Club the modern Liverpool Football Club certainly Yeah, I think one of the, the best compliments you can give him is the fact that you know we couldn't compete with United and, and Arsenal like on the pitch but financially as well like the amount of players that he had, he had to buy mm-hmm. recruitment back then wasn't what it is now Okay, there was a couple of Hit and miss ones of you know people that we, we didn't we all like. Know or, yeah, well, yeah, it's well, Shay Rue was the other one, <laughs> the, the, the fucking the, ne- the next down or whatever it was. Yeah, the fact that, you know, them, there's so many good bars in there of the work of recruitment, of, like Sam Hippie or Stefan Ancho, you know, defender slash goalkeeper of you know progressing Liverpool in, into into competing. That's a hard. He really tattoo. was the the first modern goalkeeper on show, wasn't he? Yeah, but that, that's so hard. Stuck to... on his line a bit too much, really, though. <laughs> but it's, it's it's a difficult task to do, especially when you like. United off the pitch, you know, commercially, we're just romping it, and, and Arsenal's, you know, it genuinely felt like we could, like, like we were on the path to being back on Man United was so good, and Arsenal was the, the best Arsenal we ever were in that in that era as well, and we end up we end up kind of benefiting from you mentioned that the expanded Champions League, the expanded places in the Champions League, but also we end up in like a, a, we we end, I was equated to like we were a bit of a B story. To the to the A story of Arsenal and United around that time, but when we but we were on a stage where we could turn up against them and have an amazing game of football, you know, and and, and create a be back at to pl- playing one of Sky's biggest games at the time where we were rightly at that rightly at that table we could hold our own, but we were very much our rivals around that time were very much Leeds and then Chelsea a year or two later, um, just before and it, just after the Abramovich money, it, it felt like we could have an impact on the direction of the title. Yeah. But the title would never come to us. Yeah. Like if we did well against Arsenal in the two fixtures, we'd hand the league to Manchester United. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we, we could put give them a bloody nose, but over the course of a season we just weren't there. Yeah. I think that's one of the games were well, very few games that under who they went to. We, we played Arsenal just before Christmas. I think we beat them four 0 Like absolutely just wiped the floor with them. That was the time when they, they were at their pomp in around two thousand and two. They will have been you no know, challenge for the title. In fact, I think that's when we, we finished second then, wasn't it? That season, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, and I, again, when you compare the, the two teams, I think I think Barnby scored, Owen scored, maybe Steven Gerrard as well. And, you know, they got like Vieira and you know just Arsenal at, at, at their pomp. And thinking trying to compete with that and to beat them four 0 was was amazing. We, um, yeah, was that actually was that the game where the where they give it up, where they, they had like Manning and goal and stuff and, and stuff like that, and they totally give it up around that point. But anyway, your point, your point, your point. I'm gonna pitch being a fucking mess. Yeah, the um, it always was back yeah, then, yeah. and yet we were still one of the best pitches in the league. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, Chris, have you got a memory? I will. 
Yeah, got 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 loads of them to be honest. I think the biggest one for me was I wasn't at the game, but watching the reaction of when Julio comes back from his operation, mm-hmm. um, Roma in it mm-hmm. in the Champions League. I think we should go. Do we gonna get a place in the quarter final off the back of that? It's yeah, at the Champions I, I, I League. I, th- I think it might have. I think it might have given us the um, the quarter final. So I think I think we beat we beat them two 0 and stuff. But it's just sort of seeing them walk out to the pitch and seeing the fans and I've spoken to people who were there and stuff. And like you know, one of the loudest things that you can you can have at Anfield. And then the other one, which is it's mad because it should be the one that everyone talks about and yet no one talks about it because it's too obvious. But like. The UEFA Cup final. Mm. I mean, that was the first proper European Cup we won as when I was old enough to remember them. You know what I mean? And Do you remember that night? Because it was mad because we, we were in a, a mate of yours house. And because we're all badly superstitious weirdos, we all needed to, like, we'd, we'd say something about the game and then have to touch wood. And then because that game was so mad, because it kept going day to go, we score, but or we think it's done and then it'd all come back the other way. We ended we're up... Nodges or we were Nodges, Nodges yeah. We ended up sat in front of the telly around this little like nest of table, wooden table, because it was the most wooden thing. Because all of a sudden, touching the windowsill, there had about 15 years of paint jobs on the top of it. It was t- obviously too thick for us to be actually touching wood. So with like, a load of us crowded around this telly in his mum and dad's living room, touching this wooden table, because that was the jinx, anti-jinx thing that was going to get us get us through. It was a mad game of Togger, that one. It, like, I mean, obviously, at first, first European Cup finals, Decided by goal and goal, I think it was, wasn't it? Um, you know, I, I can't even, even like I watched the highlights back um, yesterday and today, and uh, I kind of forgot that they had two red cards in the game. Like, I mean, it's just mental because I remember, you know, obviously I remember the winner um, with it being the own goal from the Gary McFree kick and stuff, but it was just a mental game of football. Mental game of football. Yeah, it's funny. The, the, it's the best it, trophy as well by a country mile. It was that era. What what boss about it was there was you knew that was when you started to know people who'd been to that game. So like our mate Lucy, I think her brother went and he because though Alaves produced that shirt that had the names of all their fans in the shirt. It was like a proper unique wow. thing and like it was a badge Sammy of honor. Did it a few years later actually. It was. Sammy did it with the season ticket. <laughs> but it was a badge later. of honor to get one of those shirts and her, her big brother came back with and he swapped his Liverpool shirt for one of these Alaves shirts and it was like wow. Like I'd been to I went to Cardiff twice that season, but to go to Dortmund and be and be there and I say also you you had like that was our era of. You're old enough to actually go to these games off your own, off your own back and stuff. Now, amazing, um, Ross. Um, yeah, just a couple of big ones that people have already mentioned. I think you know the 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 FA Cup final against Arsenal again. I, I didn't go. I think it was twelve at the time. But coming through, I, think I started getting into football when I was about eight or nine. Went to a game in '96. But when you first started watching it, you get into it against another players. Michael Owen was, was coming through it at that time as well. But just watching that game, I remember like, we moved the telly outside into the garden because it was a fucking dead hot day. And you remember moments like that and watching it with your with your family and stuff like that. It's um, I think I'd even like the iconic bits of like the commentary and the kits and all that stuff. You, you look back and it's just proper football nostalgia. I think isn't it? It's mad how I I was thinking about this on the drive in this morning and how there's an age at which you. You 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 start to let so you, you you I look at my kids now and they they love the, the idea of Liverpool. So they love the kits and the songs and they like to play in names, but they don't really know a football. 
but they're aware of the concepts around it. And then it becomes all about the players. So you start to know football, you start to play football, and you become obsessed with players. But there comes a point where so the manager's there, and you know the manager, but you don't think about his tactics. You don't think about what the manager brings. He's just the fella who leads them out. And, and, and you don't watch press conferences. You just ask who scores loads of goals and get the stickers and the cards and all that. But then all of a sudden, you become aware of the manager, and you start to think about football. And Ulier was that for our generation was the first time you just you thought about what who was going to play where and how your team was going to play and how you team and that for me that was the first sense of it Rafa was where I truly like got lost in the whole thing and became totally and utterly fell in love with the football manager but Ulier was that step and there's a, this mad, it's mad how again those games in the formative years there's one there's, there's two in two seasons there's another one of us being out Chris and it was when we beat Roma 2-0 away mm. when Owen scores two and we were in the 147 in town and ended up stood up in front of the big screen and then someone would stand in front of us so we'd stand in front of them and stand in front of them and we ended up in this like unspoken passive aggressive war for being able to have eyes on the screen smashing 50p vodka red bulls oh, and going to the crazy oh, and then going to the crazy house afterwards to celebrate just good times yeah just good times man. they were the best yeah. times actually that, that 2001 season was amazing for some of those games and stuff in fact, was that 2001 or that 2002 that was, that was 0102 that was 0102 yeah I mean uh, unbelievable times and we watched a few games in the 1-4 think, that, yeah, yeah. that year didn't we yeah um yeah, just I, I yeah I I always remember going to the one four. I don't remember much after the one four from that night, if I'm honest. The the, the last one I wanted to chuck in was oh, I think you went with me uh, to this game. I think a bunch of us went. Was Lazio in a pre-season friendly? Um, and it's mad. I actually found the, there's a couple of really interesting curio bits on this. It, it, it is the first game that LFC TV, which didn't exist at the time, it was LiverpoolFC.tv streamed live on their website. It was not only that, it was the first game that any football club had streamed on their website. Yeah, it, what you can find it on YouTube. Steve Hunter introduces it, which is mad. Like he's just there and he's and it's the most exciting it's just sound. Just a boy as well. Buster Wee Boy, the, the, it is the most exciting set of highlights I've ever watched because Steve Hunter is full Steve Hunter in it and he's gone for his, oh, it's a chance of the like, like it's a Like it's a Champions League semi-final. Um, and I always remember, like, and I went back and watched the highlights before and I remember it for one reason only and it's that Neil Mellor came on and snapped Alessandro Nesta. Now, I, in the commentary, he says Negro, and I'm sh- or I'm sure it was in my memory it was Nesta anyway. And he come on, won like a short a, a 50-50 and then took him out, and the, the whole cop started singing Neil Mellor's name. Um, and it was like the stupid throw. It was we get beat. I think we got beat one 0 in the game, but it's like um, yeah. But I, one last interesting thing I found this. I found the Liverpool Echo article on it, the match review. Get all this. Um, it was Marcus Babbel's first game back at Liverpool after his illness for the start, but it. Together this for, for a few paragraphs. With early talk of a glistening career for Jimmy Troy at Anfield, now turning to him playing the makeweight in a renewed bid for Damien Duff, the young wow. French defender's mind could easily have been anywhere but on curbing the talents of Hernan Crespo and Claudio Lopez. Perhaps driven by a determination to prove Ulier would be wrong to let him go, Troy creditably gave a solid display with at least three last-ditch interceptions, helping to keep Lazio out until just before the break. In the second half, the new Lina and Mina Milan Barros looked alive with oh, no. No, Lena and Mina because he got a skinhead that summer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, well, Gregory Vignol slotted comfortably oh. back into defence after his long absence. Loved them, but it was Diouf and Sheru that the Anfield eyes were trained on. 
and neither disappointed. <laughs> Little was seen of the 9.5 million Senegalese striker in front of goal or as an aerial threat, but his touch, control and awareness around the penalty area bore all the hallmarks of a class act. Uh, but it was French midfielder Sheiru, one of the less heralded summer signings, who made the greatest impact with the cop, chanting his name within half an hour of his home debut. Not a bad start by anyone's standards. With vision, a polished left foot and an eye for goal, the young midfielder looks a shrewd purchase at just 3.7 million, even if he does face a tough fight for a regular first team Baskin. place. I'm gonna fa- let me just check that actually. I, I sus- that would be my suspicion. Uh, oh no! Oh, it's you know what? It's so old that it doesn't actually have who's written the. Oh, let's see if it's got the byline at the bottom. It doesn't say who it's by because it's mad. The, the credit to the Pelecos website. All its old stuff formats into the current Any shape ads? of the website. Yeah, no, it's old, but it's old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, no, but it, it's exactly the same. It, it's just the, <laughs> the text put and the photos port over to the new website, which you go on the BBC website, and it's a mad it's old school format. Um, but no, I don't know. I, don't, I guess Chris Baskin's probably not a bad shout for that one, or maybe uh, it might have been. Lazio side that was as well. Yes, the Lazio Barrett, Marco Gianni in goal, um, Giuseppe Pancaro, Yap Stam, Fernando Couto came off for Nesta. Um, for Giuseppe Favali, uh, Oddo, Fiori, Stankovic, yes. uh, Liverani, Cesar came off for ba- uh, Baggio, which I think would have been the other Baggio. Uh, Dino. Uh, Dino, yeah. Dino, yeah. Hernan, Hernan Crespo was replaced by, I think that would have been Simone Inzaghi, maybe. Um, yeah, he was last. And, hang and on a minute, the other ones. Felipe Pippo Inzaghi. Yeah, yeah, I think he played for Lattil before going to Juve. There you go. Uh, I yeah, think what, they both might have done thinking about it. What a team, indeed. Um, anyone want to throw any more in before we move on? I've got, I've got one more, which is... Speaking of Bruno Shea, we're telling you in the kitchen before we got. um... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want salon perfect nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. I just want to buy fucking tickets on general sale, madly enough, and Liverpool were playing ball in the Champions League, which again, I think was, was 2002. And um, it was my dad, my uncle, my brother all got in the car and he told us we were going to Costco to go to the shops. And I was like, oh, you want to watch the traffic because the football's on tonight. And then we fucking bundled in the car, went to the game, drew 1-1. I think Barrow scored in that game when he had his skinhead. 
got home. He's like, how did you tell your mates you went to the footy? He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, next that was that was um, that was because you've been good. But next week, just just for a laugh, went to Sparta at Moscow five nil. Shearer scored a goal and so did Salah Jao. Amazing. So what a have many games with the two of them scored. No, don't think they Was that Lazio game the first game we went to together then? I think so. Yeah, yeah it, was. it was. It was me, you, and definitely Steve. I think I think Aki and maybe his dad well. went as well. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but I remember it for being able to to smoke on the cop, <laughs> which is a mad thing. Sat in your seat having a having a biff to watching the Reds. What a time! Um, right, Salad. We um, uh, let's move on into Operation Top at Christmas and beyond. Um, we've got Spurs twice in six weeks. Um, they sandwich a, a, you know, a, a festive period that's, that's either going to be the making or breaking, I think, of either of these sides. Um, the one thing I think that's interesting, I had a look, and it's, this is worth doing if you, if you fancy a laugh, because I, 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 was it... We did, we did a build-up show with Errol, right? And he said, like, maybe they'll change the tactics and come out. I don't know if you've looked on SofaScore. I went back and looked at their, um, the momentum graphs um, for their, all their big wins recently and it's just like it's not no, momentum, a, no momentum it's like where they score nothing where they score nothing and then the bag, whatever other side of the, the charts is like flat or as, as, as big as it can possibly be well they do. and that you know we'll talk about the fixtures in a moment Chris but I can't see anywhere where it's anything other than that Spurs are going to just say yeah have the ball because Mourinho fucking hates the ball and he hates his sides having the ball. He thinks having the ball is for losers because he believes that all football players inherently are shit, I think. And he thinks the more they've got it, the more chance they've got to fuck it up. Um, and so, and that's, that's what it's going to be, really. I think you're going to say to Liverpool, here you go, here's your, you're in your house, here's the ball, we dare you to come and beat us. Yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how Liverpool approach it, really, because I think we know that Tottenham are going to approach it in exactly that manner. There's no reason for them not to... It's working for them, mm-hmm. for a start, and we know that that's what Mourinho's done his entire managerial career. So I just wonder whether Liverpool are going to try and work the ball into the box like we normally do, or we're going to try a few pot shots, something a little bit different, where we just have a few digs from the edge of the area, because it's noticeable that we're not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I understand the reason why. I've been talking about it for two years on the on the Stats and Tactics show about you know shot quality and all that type of stuff. So I get it. But in these types of games, sometimes it is the big 30-yarder, 25-yarder that breaks a game open and maybe could just cause them to change their game plan slightly. Mm. I think it's also dangerous for Spurs. The worst thing you can do to play when you're playing against Liverpool is come out and play. You know, leave, leave massive gaps, leave space open, you know. Bobby Firmino dropping deep and it'll find find those gaps. I don't think Spurs will will, will do that. I think they'll fancy their chances of playing deep. And you know, like Chris said, it, it it's working for them. But they've also got the defensive stability now. You know, Hoiberg I think has been massive for them. I don't, can't remember the last time they had a player like that in defensive midfield that would just do all, all the all the dirty work, which you know we've seen from Mourinho. He likes. Yeah. You know, they've got fit players that are full of confidence. Harry Kane and Son have been phenomenal so far this season. So Liverpool will be wary, and they'll know the likes of Trent coming back from injury. We're possibly gonna have two midfielders at fucking centre half. God knows if, if Matip's gonna 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 play this one. So why would you not go go and exploit that with with pace and power that they've yeah. got? No, and, and and that's it. And again, it's 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 Mourinho all over. And the the thing that he's got going for him, and it, it, that we're always gonna have to be wary of, is just making sure that the back door is shut at the at the other end. But I think your point's really interesting there, Chris, about the the pot shot thing. And I wonder. Because when you were talking, a second, second you started saying it, my, my brain immediately went Phil Coutinho, and they went, no, shut up, you idiot, because he doesn't play for us anymore. And I went, well, who? Curtis Jones. Curtis Jones, but Oxley Chamberlain was the first, mm-hmm. was the next name that came to me Chelsea. in that. And I, I'm not sure that it's necessarily a game made for him just in terms of fitness and all that kind of stuff, but it might be, you know, the, the, it's all about a time to uh, announce yourself. I mean, 
whether you where, whether you go with him from the start or whether he's a twenty minutes to go when legs are getting a bit tired and you just want to put a bit more fresh impetus into what you're doing. That could be that could be an interesting option for us. It could it? be, yeah. It could be something we try and exploit. You know, I think if you go into a game thinking that that's what you're going to do because you know that they're good defensively, they're not going to let you play through them. Uh, it has to be absolutely perfect to do that. Then you can you can sort of create your own space on the edge of the area, you know, with Salah and Mane and stuff like that. Again, it's not something I've ever seen Liverpool do, and, it, and it's not something we should expect to see. But I, I definitely feel like Klopp could just say, "Look, if you get a sight of goal, have a shot." Yeah. Whereas crowd. I think I think no, I think there. normally he'd go, "Make sure you work it into a good place." The one thing that's, that's evident, actually, in Mourinho games, and I think back to thirteen, fourteen, I've never seen a more obvious tell than this. We played Manchester City. And Anfield was an absolute fucking cauldron. It was like we just suffocated the life out of us. And we've done that literally every game almost since. You, you can't know, boo your own players. Exactly. And Mourinho <laughs> turns up with Chelsea, and we're going right. Oh yeah, we did this. We were going booing and jeering every touch, and they never had the ball. So you can't. So you've then. I mean, and the, the, the difference then back then is because we had no songs. So you know, Bob and Brendan Rodgers, Liverpool, which is oh, in hindsight awful. Um, but the this is one of those games, isn't it, where we could the pot shots thing is a very good way to jumpstart an atmosphere because mm-hmm. it just gets people up, it gets them excited, and even though it's not you're right, shot quality, you're not the odds of you scoring from the edge of the box are so tiny. That's why it's such a special thing to do, and it's something that we actively avoid because it just undoes what you're trying to do in terms of building building momentum or building play. But I, I can't disagree with that. I think no, it's a pretty sensible. The idea, approach. sorry, sorry, Ross. Yeah. The idea for Tottenham, as we know, is. To not have the ball. So you give them the ball. What's the keeper got to do? He's going to give it back to them and they're going to not really want it, want the ball. But if they start playing, then you can get yourself into a position where you can counter-attack them a little bit. Maybe they just start to get a little bit of confidence from it. It all seems to meld for me in my head into a nice little game plan. It feels, sorry, it feels like another game as well. We've, we, me and Chris have talked about this a bit in recent weeks where... Doesn't not not only go on a bit more direct than this, I think. You know, provided you're gonna provided you can you've got the bravery in midfield to go and win second balls because it's the same notion as that. Just go long, but go under hit long, and if they and then put their defenders under pressure, put Hoiberg under pressure, and go and do the again engineer a counter press kind of situation. Because again, they don't want to be on the ball. I'm not saying they can't be on the ball because the Tottenham, the, the, the Pochettino's team still, so they're all very good in possession of the football. But it's not something they've been doing lots of this year. So why not? Why not put it on the toes? Yeah, I think you got to make them question themselves or you know their preparation. We've seen Liverpool before. Again, Fulham was probably a good example of that. Over you Liverpool pass it round, take possibly too many chances, and every time Liverpool aren't on firing all cylinders, it's the you know we that creative midfielder or maybe a Chamberlain. I think it's now Thiago is is now that person to to thread a ball through in that sense. Liverpool can be a bit predictable because they're waiting for that chance, they're patient, they're waiting for the right opportunity. Sometimes I think if you, you know, either pot shot, a time and a place, not just constantly have pop shots. I think the right time, right place, if you've got like say on goal, then you, you can go for it. But also putting pressure on the defender is right. You know, if they start questioning what, what their plans was and what we they thought Liverpool were going to do, then you mix things up. I think they, you know, you question what they're doing and maybe that split second of, of concentration or What's what's the chain going to do in, in this situation? Is he going to pass it round side to side, or is he going to have a shot? You've got to move position, which then creates space for other people. I tell you what, I'd expect to see a lot of Andy Robertson in this game as well. You know, mm-hmm. more so than Trent Alexander Arnold, because I think, you know, in these types of games, you don't want Trent crossing the ball into the box. Yeah. You know, from from where he likes to take his crosses from, I'll, I'll caveat that with, because it's just 
because he's deep, the defenders can see it coming. Whereas Robbo, if he gets a byline and starts looking for those little cutbacks and you know those little one-twos with Marnie, which we didn't really see against Fulham actually, mm-hmm. um, that's the type of ball across the box that can cause Tottenham problem. The other, the other thing, sorry mate, it, it, for me is that like, you know, we, I've I've said all this about the pot shots. I think it's also worth remembering that the, the lads don't think like us. Mm-hmm. They'll look at that and go. Great, you're going to sit back, it's a training session for us. And they'll believe that they can break through them regardless yeah. what us as fans think. The thing that's got to be, that's got to be, got to be wary of is, 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 I think we just got to be brave enough to attack centrally, because you're right, because that's what people, how people shut Liverpool down. You have a lot of men behind the ball, and you, and you, you, you let Trent have the ball deep. Because he can't hit you. He can hit you. He's one of the few people who can hit you. But again, you're reducing the percentages of what how of how likely he is to hit you. And you make it difficult for Liverpool to work that overlap. And if you can do that, which is a lot, which is a big ask, but lesser teams have done it. Fulham did a very good job of it, and it's Fulham. This is Tottenham, who've got the best defensive record and the best defensive manager in the Premier League uh, overseeing it all. That it's about it, it, it is about shades of bravery through the through the middle of the park, and it's not like because I always reference that Burnley game, um, Mane's first season when he, he fatted our thoughts. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and we're just having digs for no for no reason. It's not that. It's it's just mixing it up every now and again. It's every now and again. There's nothing wrong with just having a having a crack at goal just to go. You think you've got us pegged here? Okay, well, every now and again, if it just gets a little bit stale and we just find we can't break it through, just shift, find a little angle and have a go and just keep keep Lloris on his toes because we know he's a good goalkeeper, but he's not a perfect goalkeeper. Um, and it just makes them think, it gives them pause for thought that maybe their game plan's not going to work. My only... it's like two, sorry, it's like two boxers going head to head, isn't it? And then and then one of them switching up to Southpaw for a bit. Yeah. And that's all we're doing. We're just changing the angles. We're just changing it, finding a new way through the defence. The thing for me on, on this is... I wonder whether, again, Operation Top at Top at Christmas doesn't have to be one here, and I wonder whether we we go with an approach where let's go and throw it at them for 10, 15 minutes. If it works, laughing. If it doesn't work, okay, take take 40, 50 minutes out of the game, and just you know, no no pressure, resting resting possession, drag spares around a bit, use certain members of our team to kind of cause fatigue in all theirs, don't overcommit because there's no pressure, because again, I know they're on top of the league, but they're still chasing us, Liverpool are still seen as the team to hunt down, we're the team to stop, psychological players, and don't give them the opportunities that they're they're waiting for, they're, they're, they're craving, and let them get a bit antsy and see what happens when that team isn't being isn't being pummeled and isn't getting loads of counter-attacking opportunities to put to put us to bed and get yourself to a situation where you've got 20 minutes left in the football match and then you spring something different then you go a little bit braver and you see what spares have got left I'm going to I'm going to take that I'm going to riff on that and go that he doesn't start any of the front three because they're not going to play the ball so we're not trying to score in the first 70 minutes <laughs> we're just going to drag them around then we'll put the front three on with se- with 70 gone when they're a little bit tired and then look to spring them. No, no, but look at it, Chris. We've got, I mean, there's this game, it draws, like, it draws fine in, in the war of a tradition of the, of the league. Us beating Spurs doesn't win the league for us regardless. It gives us a very positive step towards it. But look, even just looking ahead to the next the week and a half that follows, we've got Palace away at the weekend, which is a, a difficult game. But it's notable that Palace will have played, will be, will have been a bit busier, haven't played the midweek game, which is something they're not used to, so they'll be more fatigued. And in addition, London's gone into, will, will be in tier three by then, so they won't have fans in the stadium for that kind of thing. So I'd rather be playing Palace this weekend than than last weekend. Is that point? 
Um, Spurs have got Leicester that that weekend as well, which is that little spell of us. Leicester reminds me so much of Leicester last season when they were up. They were our nearest competitor for a little while, and they played City, then they played us, and you got a real sense of where where they were at. I actually think Spurs will do Leicester, but the, the, there's there's a, there's a strong possibility. Then they've got Stoke in the in the League Cup in the midweek when we've got our feet up and we're looking, you know, and we're seeing family and boosting the spirits. Um, and then they they play Wolves on the twenty seventh when we're playing West Brom, and all of a sudden, you don't need you don't necessarily need. I wonder whether that'll be in Klopp's mindset of actually, it might be a bit shit for us as fans, but in 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 the larger war that we're facing at the moment, us not going mad to try and win this game. Actually, I think Mourinho wants us to go mad and try and win this game because that's how he gets his most benefits. Yeah, I'm not sure whether being Klopp's man, but I think now that you said it, it might be Mourinho's because that Carabao Cup, we'll have one eye on that. The Europa League, mm-hmm. he'll definitely have one he eye on that. He loves yeah. a league cup win. But, but Europa League, we'll have one eye on that as well. I know you haven't mentioned it, but you know, in... he's got no eyes on the league then. Yeah, exactly. He's only got two. <laughs> what, what do you do at that point? You know, he's someone that's renowned for for, for winning trophies. That, that, that's what he does. Winning Europa League for Spurs is that bigger for Spurs than Spurs finishing fourth? A League Cup win will be he'll go down in there like legendary managers in history if they pick yeah. up a League Cup and, win. And the chances of winning both both those cups actually is significantly higher with with the squad that they've got. Mm-hmm. And I think with the state of the league, I think it's 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 doable for for Spurs to finish fourth oh. and, and win both of those trophies. It's important and for he'll us be very happy. to keep on there. It's to be on their toes yeah. around this period because of that. Because just it's a it's small margins, but it's one. It's just one more game of football that all starts to take its toll. It all starts to be it starts to sap the energy. It all starts to draw mental energy away from you and what have you. And I again, I wouldn't even be asked if we were three points behind Spurs heading into heading into January, heading into that game in January, um, because. Yeah, I, they've been really good so far, and they've, they've capitalised on it really well. But that's it's going to be a test of their character and a test of their reserves. Playing Thursday nights, going to the arse end of Europe. You know what is it? The, the round of sixty-four, whatever they're in now in Europa League. You know, they've got if they do go far enough, they've got more games to play than they have in the Champions League. So you know, there's an extra two games on a Thursday night that they haven't got on Liverpool. The thing is, what Mourinho's very good at doing, more so maybe than other managers that we've seen in the Premier League. Area. I think Guardiola's good at it as well, but for having a bigger squad I think it helps is he channels that League Cup win into something more mm-hmm. I think a lot of managers struggle with that and the season ends and you think about where he is on his journey with Tottenham right now that is just look what we've done already look what you can therefore achieve too. exactly and and he can use that League Cup in ways other managers don't seem to be able to he, he seems to use it to galvanise the squad around him personally and that style of football um, exactly the same with the Europa League. The Europa League is the one. I don't think that I don't think the League Cup matters as far as the Premier League season goes, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But the Europa League one certainly does matter, and it's also the one that he'll care more about than even the League we Cup. We said it before. We said it last season when we everyone was going mad about Liverpool doing being centurions or, or unbeaten and all that kind of shit. You're not in a title race until April. You know, you just and we never even got that last time. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, you're not, but you, you're just around the top of the. It's just going quite well so far. If you're there or thereabouts at this point, Liverpool's job is just to. I think this season is just to be there. It's just to be in the conversation for as long as possible because I, I and, and trust that everyone else will kind of fall apart. And if you had to bank on which team survives this longest, you'd always favour Liverpool in that environment over a Tottenham because Tottenham just haven't done it before Mourinho's got the ability to guide them through but again if he goes for the League Cup in a, in a, in a heavily congested season he's already about to play one more game 
with the quarterfinals. The semi-finals is only a single leg this time, but it's another game because I'm writing out their fixtures. It doesn't account for the fact that there's a there's a League Cup semi-finals to be played before we play them again. So there's two more games they will have played by the time we go to the to the London State. The, what's it called? The Spurs Stadium, whatever the fuck. The big the big fancy stadium. It's going to look shit in about ten years' yeah. time. Um, the, uh, the toilet bowl, yeah. If they then if they then get through that, they've got a final, which is which is another game of football. And you're dead right. I'd never thought about it that way. But the Europa League is the round of thirty. There is an extra round of fixtures in the Europa League that if you want to win the Europa League, you've got to play two more matches than to win the Champions League in a season like this. And that's not accounted for. They've got Marine, who they should be turning over as well. So there's a fourth round FA Cup, which still I think they might even play before before maybe before we play them. If not, it'll be just just after. So. I do wonder whether I think we've got our eyes fixed on having to beat Spurs this week. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'd make the case that, and I don't think I've ever made this case before, that I would almost like, like I think Mourinho's coming in, going, Haha, "I've got my game plan here, sitting, talking up, and Klopp just comes in, goes, but that's great." Oh, oh, rest in possession, boys. Rest in possession, boys. We're gonna win. Th- we're gonna win this over the next month, not this season, because Brendan Rodgers would go swinging for this. But it'd be interesting to see whether Liverpool and the club do the same. Potentially more pressure on Mourinho to get a result from this, though. You know, you flip it round. Liverpool have got, you know, a shed loads of injuries, which we keep mentioning, but it's still, you know, knocking about in, in, in top place for Spurs. Now, they don't go go for it now. When they come to play them in six, seven, eight weeks' time, whatever it is, and we get more bodies back, is, does he fancy his chances against Liverpool then with all those fixtures he's got? And they might have more injuries, you know, at that time as well. It's, it's a good it's a good time to play Liverpool, you know, as much as they hate to say it. You know, if you're going to go for it, now now is the time. Absolutely. And yeah, it just it, it's going to be it's gonna be fascinating. Again, I mentioned the, the tier three thing, but there's another thing in that period where they're not going to have fans in the stadium, you know, supporting them on and cheering them on. And these things, these are the small margins, which I think are going to make a big difference. In particularly I don't know how I feel about all this, you know, because I just think it's badly unfair. And mm. I know that I was saying this yesterday on the Twitch stream that I was doing, twitch.tv forward slash the Redmen TV, by the way. Paul will be live later today, streaming no. Pro Evo. Tomorrow? Yes. Okay, Paul will be live tomorrow, streaming Pro Evo. Uh, I stream on a Monday, Football Manager and stuff, but I was I was saying that it, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't, like, and, and people will say it's not a level playing field, the Premier League anyway. No, you're right, it's it's not because of money and stuff like mm. that, like, but not having fans in some stadiums and having fans in the other, I can't help but feel it is a big advantage. It's, and maybe not for Palace fans, but Palace fans, you know, they create a great atmosphere, but at least they can see the game better when it's on the telly. <laughs> like, it's a fucking terrible stadium for watching the footy, it's like, in it, you know It's not better I mean? for Arsenal fans, is it? Could turn this fucking telly off. Yeah, <laughs> that's true, yeah. The, um, no, They're open no. for a power cut as well as tier three and all. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. It, it is. It's a bit. It's a bit mad. And again, it without at the risk of it. The tier system's unfair across the country, isn't it? You know what I mean? That's the nature of the whole the whole thing. You know, people going into. I, I, I was saying how doubly unfair. I mean, my sister-in-law complaining about being in tier three in Bristol when you can still go and get a haircut and go to the shops. Which we couldn't. Like they changed the rules on tier three. We got the worst version of tier three. Their tier three is tier, is is what tier four is now and stuff like that. Like it's mad. The whole situation's bonkers. Um, but yeah, I can't bring myself to be too upset because we get at the moment we've got fans and I'll, I'll, I'll cry about I, that when we when we get put into. Just tier to three. change the subject slightly, it's not something we've spoken about, mate. But did anyone see the five thirty eight stuff? Um, for the Champions League. League. Oh my, so I just pulled it up then. Manchester City got a 27% chance of winning the, the Champions League. Bayern Munich second on 19%. Third, any guesses? Barcelona. Barcelona, good one, you can read. <laughs> uh, 19% chance of winning the... Winning we it. had five. We're 
We're joint fourth with Real Madrid and Chelsea with a 6% chance. 6%. What the fuck have they been smoking over there at 5.38s? Let them, let their algorithm do it. This is the problem with all of this stuff. It's since all along. It's like our, we have it in, a, in terms of our understanding of football, but algorithms are for shit this year. Like, you can't, you can't, they, every, the people have built this system, but we're really confident about this, but it doesn't fucking, no accounting for a player, a game, being injured and all this kind of stuff, like, so no, we'll. That's, that's the only reason they can, it's, that's the only reason we're fourth, surely. Does that take into account the draw that's just been, and I just think Man City yeah. going to piss whoever they've got? Yeah. No, and, that, and yeah, well, that will be that's yeah. a, that's a, that's because it's it's ba- it goes to like chances of progressing through each round. That will be that will then be the. Yeah, but the mad thing, City have got eighty eight percent chance of making the quarters. Bayern Munich are second in this. I've got a ninety percent chance of making the quarters. Then the semi, City have got a sixty two percent chance. Bayern suddenly flips down to fifty eight. So for some reason, it flips around in the, at the at the quarter final stage. Yeah, it's mad. I, I had someone saying about this as well. I'd not even thought about it. The Bundesliga, Bundesliga, have still got have still got a winter break, even though a, even even though it's truncated by their by their standards and all this kind of stuff. Like it's. Because they understand five subs, <laughs> and they've ma- they've still managed to show. I mean, they've got less teams in the league, haven't they? But they've still managed to make space for some form of a winter break and all that. They're going to come back. And, uh, I-, I was very confident. It's because they have the do. winter break, and they've always had the winter break. And England have gone. That's oh, the first thing that we can fuck off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the fucking winter break. No, absolutely. Like first in, first in, first last in, first out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'd have two domestic cups in Germany, just no, the one. Just the one. No. Makes sense. It's crazy, that, isn't it? Sorted over there, aren't they? Really? Yeah, they have got it. Cheap and, season uh, tickets. Cheap season tickets. Cheap tickets. You can have a travel, bevy. You can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great travel. Wonderful people. Great football culture. Great policing. Oh, we'll have to do a little rebrand here. Yeah. I, I've tried. I've, well, I've worn Munich stuff on this channel before. It's not Munich. Oh, what? Dortmund? Why Dortmund? Because Munich are the Manchester United. Yeah, that's right. The Bundesliga. But actually, the Liverpool of, uh, <laughs> of it, when you think about it. No. Most successful playing red. Um, okay, Hoffenheim. I can get behind Hoffenheim. No, shit. Um, <laughs> right, so uh, we're going to wrap that up. What's the one we to see? Heather Berlin. I liked them. You liked the stadium? Yeah, it was a good stadium. It was a good stadium. I'd, mm, yeah, yeah, it was decent. I can get behind Heather. Good city. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Stick up by me, you know, it's fine. Um, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna fucking jump ship to another club, I'm gonna make sure that we win. I, I jump to one that wins. Every bollocks to that, like yeah. absolute bollocks to that. Glutton for punishment to people who pick second teams and the shit. Yeah, but like you know, you'll be overworked. I'll be on the head of the Berlin channel with 38 games in a season, mate. With your cultivated audience of seven people, they don't even care when I don't turn up one week. They'll just they'll understand. Like, yeah, I don't want to talk about that game either. You'll yeah. be fucking going deep into every competition. Uh, right, that is the uh, that is the final normal podcast before Christmas. We do have a, a Christmas special which we're going to be recording uh, this afternoon. Um, that will be going out next week of course and make sure you tune in for that one we're going to be taking some of your random questions uh, and having a bit more of a laugh with it yeah just to keep you tied it over during the extensive uh, break an entire week off between Liverpool games which is absolutely unheard of um, even in pre-season it seems um, gents thank you so much for that it's been absolutely wonderful uh, do go and check out of course threadsforreds.com uh, with some other other designs are available uh, and of course we've got some brilliant Probably. stuff over on the Redmen merch site as well so check all of that stuff out and we'll see you very very soon 
Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.